0: Well, tonight we're going to be looking at Revelation 21 and 22, so please turn back to the last um, few chapters of the Bible, which is something I have preached on before, but I was challenged again a few days ago by my Old Testament professor who was complaining that people don't preach on heaven Um, Often enough, he said, you know, if we're going to spend eternity there, it's at least something we should spend 30 minutes thinking about. Uh, Probably often. And so, although I had preached on it before, I just uh, wanted to return to this topic tonight of heaven and hell as well, but mainly about heaven tonight. In our culture... Quite often, the things of eternity, heaven and hell, are trivialized. And we think about um, strange things when we think about the devil and demons and angels. Even at parties, sometimes people might dress up uh, with uh, horns and stuff like that and make light of something that the Bible thinks is quite serious. Um, And we have these strange ideas of heaven and hell presented to us in the media. So I guess it's good to start off by saying that most of that is, is rubbish, and we have to sweep it aside and think, actually, what does God say? Which is all that really matters. What does God reveal about the future, about heaven and hell, and what's it going to be like, and why? Does he reveal these things to us? Because our lives, as we were singing in Psalm 103, are quite short. We're here for a short time. But then we live on to eternity. And so we know it's so important to think about our final destinies. Many people believe, possibly most people believe, in heaven. And probably that they're going there themselves but they have their own ideas about it, not necessarily God's ideas from the Bible, but they like to think, you know, heaven is somewhere they might be playing golf or fishing or, I don't know, whatever they like doing on earth, they'll be able to do that, or maybe they'll be able to look down on their families. And so people do have these genuine ideas, but they are um, unfounded, and not true, and really quite deluded. And that's a a sad thing to have a tragic hope if people really think that their futures are secure when they're not. Jesus said, "'What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words,' In this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. So we have souls. What can a man give in exchange for his soul? We need to think carefully about our souls and the eternal destination of our souls. I remember a man in Aberdeen who, who worked uh, every day of the week and wanted early retirement. But I think when he was 60, he was going to take things easy. But a few weeks before that, he died. This morning in, in St. Columbus Free Church in Edinburgh, Derek Lamont was preaching on, um, partly on the rich fool who stored up everything on earth for himself. And and it says there in in the Bible, in Luke's gospel, you fool. So God says to us in the word that we have to store up our treasure in heaven. We need to think about heaven. We need to think about it because it has an effect on how we live now. And I think as we think about it this evening together, let's always be thinking all the way through. How does the future, how does heaven affect how we live now, because that 's very important, how does heaven and our belief in heaven and god 's truth and promise of heaven how does that affect the way we live now? Because I guess if we really believed it more and thought about it daily, it would really help us and encourage us in our Christian walk but very briefly um, if we Look about if we think about hell as well, just very briefly, because even the song the song we just sang together, and even here in the end of chapter twenty of Revelation, God does God doesn't just tell us about heaven, but He tells us as well about hell, and He t- He says that there is a second death, verse fourteen of chapter twenty. There's a lake of fire. And so we have to have this before us as well, that there's going to be a division at the end of the world. The sheep and the goats, the righteous and the wicked, those who love Jesus will go to heaven. And those who don't, and it's very sobering, will go to hell, which is a real place created by God, where those whose sins have not been forgiven will receive their just punishment Forever. And I could say more about that. But I think I'll just leave it at that tonight. That hell is a real place. And we need to keep that in mind. It's a real place where there's no good thing. No good thing. It's a real place that goes on for eternity. Where we will uh, be punished for our sin. It never ends. A very sobering um thought indeed. But let's think about heaven tonight. Who will go to heaven and what will heaven be like? Who will go there and what will heaven be like? And it's a challenging question to, to ask ourselves, you know, how much have you and how much have I been thinking about heaven in these last few weeks and months. Perhaps those who are terminally ill might think more. Or even as you get older, I'm sure the older Christians might think about heaven more. Or those who are persecuted for their faith in the persecuted church will probably think about heaven more. But sometimes we don't. Sometimes we focus on the here and now so much, like holding a coin up to your eyes, so close, that it blocks out everything else, even though it's so small, we lose the sight of the big picture, and that's what I can be like um, at times, forgetting about heaven, where I'm going for the rest of my existence, such a beautiful and incredible and fascinating and wonderful place, and yet so often I can be focusing on um, stuff and things and possessions and Things that are okay, important in and of themselves, but not as important as this. So we have to take off our blinkers tonight if we are blinkered, which we all can be from time to time. And see this big picture. What has God revealed about heaven? And why has God revealed it? Why did God bother? In the last book of the Bible to tell us so much. In the Old Testament, they didn't really know so much about heaven as we know. But we're like um, Abraham and um, King David, they believed in life after death and they believed um, in the things of eternity. But they didn't know. It's quite amazing. They didn't know what we know. They didn't have the book of Revelation to read as we have. So let's read it. Let's think about what God is saying to us. And as well, the Christian life can be hard. It's described as a battle, as warfare. It's easy to live a sinful life and just do what you want. It's easy almost to live a hypocritical Christian life where we come to church, but then during the week from Monday to Saturday, We live a completely different kind of life. But to live in the footsteps of Christ is much harder. We have the Holy Spirit to help us, but it's a battle. Jesus says that we have to deny ourselves, take up our crosses and follow him. And Peter says, Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, At the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. So it doesn't make sense to live to, for things and stuff and to be obsessed about and material things and to invest all our love and energy for selfish gain. Because in the end, it comes to nothing. But Jesus says true freedom and true treasure will be stored up by living for him. By living for him. Completely the opposite message from what we get from people around us. So what an encouragement. What an encouragement to me and to you when we find the Christian life really hard. What an encouragement to men and women and families in prison. What an encouragement to those um, families in Turkey whose husbands were murdered for being Christians. What an encouragement that one day they will see their loved ones again And that even though they face so much pain, God will not let them down. So, this is the revelation of John. Because it's given to John as he languishes in prison on the Isle of Patmos. And the risen Christ appears to John. And he draws aside a curtain. Giving him this amazing vision of what's going to happen in the future. After after the final judgment has taken place, that all those who trust in Jesus will rise again. They'll be given new bodies. They'll be perfected and they will be with Jesus. I'm going to be jumping around um, verses 21, chapters 21 and 22 of of, of Revelation. So, if you want to follow on, that's fine. Revelation 22, verse 4. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. One day, we're going to see the face of Jesus. And we read in First John chapter 3, verse 2, I think, um, that when... But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for, she, for we shall see him as he is even if that's all I said and just sat down now, that would be good news, that one day we will see his face. And that means that we will be transformed into his likeness as well. And so for John, as he's in prison, persecuted for sharing his faith, he can take great encouragement from this vision. It's like a pole star fixed up in the sky so that when the storm of life, the stormy waters buffet him as they were doing, he can be fixed. He can know, no matter what happens, I'm going to heaven. And what a place God revealed to John in this vision. And we need that as well. Because if we don't have heaven clearly fixed in our minds and in our hearts, when things do go wrong, We'll be all at sea. But if we have deep rooted faith in what God has revealed, then it will encourage us and help us to persevere. So, what's it going to be like? Well, 20, 21 verse 1 Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. No sea? It seems strange. What does that mean? I like the sea. I'm sure most of us like the sea. Well, we know that there's a lot of imagery in this book. And the image of the sea is in the Old Testament. One of judgment. Think of Noah and the flood. Think of Pharaoh's armies who were drowned in judgment. Think of the beasts that come out of the sea in this book in Revelation. So the sea really is a a picture, a symbol of evil and of conflict and of um, horrible things like that. And so when God says there will be no longer any sea, that's what he's saying. These things will be gone. What does that mean? No more evil. Well, we read in verse 4, 21 verse 4. He will wipe every tear From their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. In other words, in heaven, there'll be no more suffering. Now, I know many people here have suffered in different ways, some more than others, and we know what it means. To suffer, And quite simply it says, in heaven, there'll be no more suffering. There'll be no more death, no more pain. Again, many of us have felt the pain of a loved one passing away. And it's so hard. And our hearts sometimes scream out to God, why? Why has this happened? Many of us have known so much pain in relationships but God is saying there'll be no more crying no more doctors or nurses or hospitals or sickness no more cancer no more strokes no, n- these things will be gone no more pain which is a wonderful thought And we read in chapter 21, verse 27. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So there's no possibility of sin entering. Nothing impure will enter it. Nothing's going to spoil it. It won't be like the Garden of Eden, which was so great and beautiful, and Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden in the cool of the day. But there was the fall. But in heaven, nothing impure will ever enter it. There won't be another fall. It will be perfection forever. And we read in 22 verse 3, we read, no longer will there be any Curse. No longer will there be any curse. Genesis 3 is such an important passage because we know that that perfection that Adam and Eve enjoyed was lost in so many ways. And even when I uh, read that passage with my kids in their story Bibles and the picture you know, of Adam and Eve walking out of the garden. And the angel with the flaming sword as a barrier, they can't get back in. They can't eat any longer from the tree of life. And it's so poignant. It's so moving. And now, instead of the world being perfect as it was, we have natural disasters. We have floods and famines. Rather than Adam and Eve and their perfect relationship together, we don't have perfect relationship with one another we have jealousy, we have pride, we have uh, problems in our friendships, problems in our relationships with our parents, with our children, with children, with our friends, with our spouse, all these things. And even worse, murder and rape and horrible things, horrible things. And so that happened because of the curse. And our relationship, even with ourselves, was broken at the fall where we think bad thoughts and sometimes even worse and mental health problems as well come in and we're full of anxiety and worry and fear and all kinds of things and that's part of living in a fallen world. And more than that, our relationship with God was broken in the fall in Genesis 3 and Adam and Eve were hiding from God in the garden. And so things were messed up. The world gone wrong. But then we read here in Revelation 22, verse 3, no longer will there be any curse. And it's a beautiful verse. No longer will there be any curse. All the garbage, all the sin, all that destroys and messes things up on life now, will be swept away, quite literally swept away, because God's going to renew. It's going to be a new earth, new heavens, new earth, a complete transformation. And that is a beautiful thought. No more pride in our heart. No more lust or jealousy or greed. All these things will be gone. And again, we see this Genesis imagery where now we can eat from the tree of life again and its leaves bring healing to the nations. Heaven's called the New Jerusalem, and heaven uh, is also described as a city. Let's think about this New Jerusalem very quickly. Revelation 21, verse 2. I'll speed up. I saw the holy city, the New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And then in verse 7 of chapter 21, 21, 21-7, he who has overcome will inherit all this. I will be his God and he will be my son. So we have these pictures from God about what our relationship with God will be like. It's like a father and a son, It's like a husband and a wife. Now on earth again, these things can be spoiled. These relationships are far from perfect. But God's talking about perfection here. He's saying your relationship with God in heaven is going to be intimate. It's going to be like that of a family and a a father and a son or a husband and a wife at its best. Think of the best moments you've had with your children and the best moments you've had with your spouse and that's what our relationship with God will be like but even more because these things are just analogies they're just pictures and the reality will be much better than the symbols that God's describing here and then in verse chapter 21 verse 23 the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it For the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb will be its lamp. And so we have these images of light, glory. And it's just hard to know exactly what this means. There's a lot of mystery here. But it's brilliant to think, what does this mean? I'm not sure. We think of the transfiguration when Jesus' body was gloriously transformed and light. Uh, was shining from him. Maybe our bodies will be like that as well. And God at the center, the lamb at the center, he will be our shepherd. And, you know, we have spiritual shepherds. You have spiritual shepherds. You have David, your minister. You have elders. And as, as I'm sure that's all good, but in heaven, you'll have an even better spiritual shepherd because we're told that the lamb himself, Jesus, will be our, our shepherd, revealing spiritual truths to us. Then we read in 21.6, to him who is thirsty I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. God's going to satisfy our thirst from the spring of the water of life. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty spiritually? Do you want to know God more? Do you know there's so much more in our lives? Well, God will satisfy and quench your thirst. We're also told in 22.2. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. We know that when we look at the nations around us, when we watch the news and on TV and read our newspapers and surf the net, and we're clicking on things that are just constantly um, depressing in many ways as there's so much war in the world and so much bloodshed. But that will be gone in heaven. There'll be perfect unity And sadly, even in Christian circles, we can fall out with each other and go in the half, but not so. In heaven, there'll be the healing um, of the nations. And it's a challenge to all of us that even now, we should be trying to live like this with the help of God's Spirit, of loving one another, not just the people we like in St. Peter's kind of naturally or get on with, but everyone we should be Putting into practice the new community um, already, because one day we'll be a perfected new community. But even now, we are a community. There's only one body in Christ Jesus, and we're part of the same family. A few more things very briefly. 2112. Heaven is described as having a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. And great high walls are used for defense. Every morning I walk through Princey Street Gardens on on the way to the college and I look up at Edinburgh Castle and it's huge, massive walls and um, I guess now... You can destroy castles quite easily with modern weapons, but think back to hundreds of years ago and imagine trying to take that castle. It'd be so hard because of the huge high walls. And what God is saying here is that heaven will be secure. God's people will be inside and evil won't be able to get in. They'll be protected. We're not safe, even in our homes. Even here, sometimes when we go out, we're worried we could get attacked, we could get mugged, and that's not very good. But in heaven, we'll have security in that great city. We'll also have perfection, 2121. The 12 gates were 12 pearls, each each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of pure gold. Like transparent glass. And there's all this gold imagery that we read of. I don't know, my, I only have one gold thing, uh, my r- wedding ring, I think that's all. But when we think of gold, I'm sure it's about beauty and preciousness, and, <laughs> you know, we should think about the most beautiful places. I don't think it means when we get to heaven, the the streets will be literally paved with gold. That's not what it's saying. It'll be a new heaven and a new earth. It's a picture of beauty. The most beautiful views that we enjoy in Dundee, wherever they are, or in this whole area, or in Scotland, or if you've traveled around a lot, the world, think of those beautiful scenes. And I'm sure heaven will surpass all of them in beauty. So we have all these encouragements of heaven. And I hope that we won't just forget about it um, when we go home and when we wake up tomorrow. But I hope that this revelation of the future will inspire us to live free lives of loving obedience and service to our God who's so good to us that he's going to give us heaven. Hope that sets us free even more by the power of God's Spirit to love one another and to share the gospel of peace with other people. And in closing, I just want to remind us from twenty one twenty seven: nothing impure will ever enter heaven. Nothing impure. So if I ask myself, How can I go to heaven? How can I go? Because I'm impure. Even today, I've sinned against God greatly. And we know that as Christians, that we sin against them day by day by day. And our sins stack up and mount up. And we deserve God's punishment. So how can we, if nothing impure enters, how can you go there? How can I go there? Well, we know And we want to remind ourselves that we can go there only because of the Lamb of God. This Lamb of God whose blood was shed. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Only if you trust in Jesus will you go to heaven. We might have heard it a thousand times, but we need to say it. We need to remind ourselves of the importance of that fact. That it's not an automatic thing that you will go to heaven. You can go to heaven. You're invited to go to heaven. Everyone is invited to go. But there's something you need to do, and that is trust in Jesus. You need to receive his forgiveness, and then his blood will cleanse us from all sin, and we won't be impure in God's sight anymore, and we're able to go there and be with God forever. Let's bow our head and pray. Our God, our loving Father, we thank you for this revelation that you give us. We pray that it would inspire us, especially when the battle of our Christian lives uh, grows fierce and the evil one tries to discourage us, and especially at times when we may face persecution and great difficulty. Lord, may you encourage your hearts, even day by day, May we think of the future that awaits us. Help us too, Lord, to think of the the great reality of hell as well. That there is that place of suffering and eternal judgment for those who are outside. And Lord, may these sobering realities encourage us to share our faith with those around us. Lord, bless your word to us, we pray. Lord, again, we want to remember um, the Millers and the McLeods. We thank you for these recent marriages. and We pray for your protection upon them. And we pray that together they would bring great glory to you and that they would be a blessing um, to those around them. Lord, we pray for each one of us, wherever we are in our spiritual journey tonight, that you would bless your word to us, that indeed we would not forget, but that we would set our hearts on heavenly things, and that in doing so we might be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.